Hey guys, welcome back to another great episode of Talking with Andrew and Chris. I'm Andrew. And I'm Chris. And you heard me correctly. This is a great episode for a lot of reasons. Today we're talking with our buddy Frank from the organization For the Nomads, along with, uh, what was that band he was in, Chris? Uh, only a legendary metalcore band called The World We Knew. Ever heard of them, dude? Uh, we got into a lot of stuff. We got into that, obviously, because how could you not? But more importantly, we got into a great organization that I mentioned for the Nomads. Frank is spearheading this awesome thing that is getting uh, help to those who can't work right now because of this COVID crisis. You know, we all know there are plenty of bands and artists that had to cancel tours, and we're all very sad about that because music is amazing. But what we might forget is that there are hundreds thousands millions of people behind the scenes that make those tours happen every day and week and those people are also out of work and they don't have a million fans to you know buy their music to help support so frank is just trying to uh you know make a hard time a little less hard for those people yeah and so in the spirit of just getting right to the episode getting to the for the no man's foundation i'll just keep this part really quick we are now on youtube that is talking with andrew and chris over on youtube we'd appreciate it if you guys could subscribe like comment and check out this podcast in video form we're also on instagram we're also on spotify Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Again, you can find all of that stuff at Talkin' with Andrew and Chris. Talkin' spelled T-A-L-K-I-N apostrophe, no G. We'll hope to see you there. And uh, Andrew, uh, you said you had like one quick thing to add too, right? Yes, and I would like to add this episode into an unofficial series of episodes that I'm just going to call right now without asking Chris, keeping yourself equipped for quarantine, because we spoke with Howie again, we spoke to our good buddy Adam from Nightwinds again. So this episode and those episodes, I think that there's a lot of knowledge to keep yourself not just, you know, occupied and not bored during all of this free time that we've all found ourselves in, but a way to not only, you know, keep yourself going, your music career or whatever else you're trying to do but also just you know help others like make a difference while you're stuck inside the house and you know if you're gonna if you're gonna listen to our podcast while doing it then great because we also have other episodes not part of that official unofficial series that you can go back and listen to as well yeah another episode that comes to mind is our chat with john james ryan of keep flying who's actually a good buddy of frank's and uh, is also a touring worker musician who kind of relies on the industry for their livelihood but you know enough of that let's just get to helping our friends great people out there who need some support in these crazy times right andrew for sure and i hope that we can find other uh people like frank to talk to on here that aren't you know obviously he is a musician and a touring musician which is kind of the meat and potatoes of our show but i hope that we can find other people that are doing cool things outside of themselves like he is and yeah and oh whoops <laughs> sorry about that i didn't mean to cut you off there i just real quick there was something you said you wanted to tell our listeners about spotify that wasn't just our podcast before we get out of here if i'm remembering correctly and if you're on spotify and you're not in the podcast mood, we've got an official playlist that's got lots of great bands in there that you should all check out and go support during the times that they're not out touring. Because, well, you know, if you've listened, if you listen to this episode, you'll know. So I'm just going to leave it there. No, yeah, well, well put, Andrew. And so in the spirit of keeping this intro very quick, uh, I believe we had some music we were going to play from Frank's band, The World We Knew, on this episode. I think that's a really good idea. Um, Frank picked two really good ones. Uh, for the beginning and end, and 
honestly, I think that he's put he put way more thought into the two songs than any other guest has. And so without further ado, here is Homewrecker by The World We Knew on Talking with Andrew and Chris. Enjoy, guys. Stay tuned. What is going on, guys? Welcome back yet again to Talking with Andrew and Chris, and we are happy to be here today. We, you know, we've been trying to lift your guys' spirits, trying to do some good, but today we actually might have a shot at that in these crazy times. And why do I say that? Well, because we're talking to Frank of For the Nomads Foundation. Frank, how you doing, man? I am trucking along to be to be bare minimum about it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, trucking along. I'm putting my best foot, uh, my best foot forward, if you will. Dude, I mean, you're doing something like really good. I mean, you're not just you know sort of sending a text to a friend and at, and checking in on them. You're like going the extra mile, man. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, I started the Nomad Fundraiser and Foundation, whatever you want to call it. There's no real name for it. It's for the nomads.org. Um, I started it. I think just about going on six weeks ago, because, uh, I mean, as you know, but maybe viewers and listeners don't know, uh, I, I tour full time 
I'm a crew member in the music industry, uh, tour manager, merchandiser. I do lights. I do VIB coordination, production manager. You, you kind of name it. Uh, I've been touring for 14 years and, um, everybody that I've ever known in the music industry over those 14 years, <clears throat> excuse me, is clearly out of work at the moment. <laughs> and, uh, I guess I put something together that kind of took off in the past couple of weeks. Yeah, so we're definitely going to jump into all that. But first off, I got to ask, like, how you've been holding up in these crazy times? Um, six weeks is exactly since I've seen sunlight. You know, I haven't gone out into public <laughs> at all, uh, really, in, in those six weeks. I think I went out like once to run a quick er- a quick errand for the family. But you're, you're down in Long Island, right? So you're you're quarantined in, in what's kind of considered a hot spot. We're, we're also in New York. We're upstate, though, as you know. So, like, what, what's it been like for you? I mean, just personally, obviously, you've been busy. And you've been working on a lot of stuff but uh, you, you know like how are you holding up in all these crazy times man so i uh i didn't mention i i lived in long island my whole life up until a couple years ago um i live in orlando now oh okay Ooh. yeah so it's been nice to if people aren't like being dickheads about it over by the pool or whatever i'll go sit by the pool or i'll go in the pool but uh that's nice but in the grand scheme of things i haven't done anything that a normal version of me coming home from a tour would do if I just had time off. I've literally only been doing this fundraiser thing. I haven't turned on my TV. I haven't played a single minute of video games. I haven't done anything other than just kind of try to make this grow. Um, and like you said, we'll get into it, but I'm, I'm good. I'm, you know, of course I, I'm not used to being, home uh or being unactive in a way like working uh this is the most amount of time i've had often probably over 10 years of my touring career uh it's just something that i'm not used to but i mean mentally i'm cool it's what can i do i'm not i, I can't fix the disease you know what i mean so yeah. it's like if do i do right. i want to sit around and be miserable about it or do i want to keep my keep myself occupied and then maybe do something good in the process that's basically where my head's at um, it'll clear itself up over time. I'm just not going to be able to do anything about the timing on when I can go back to my touring work. You know? No, that, that makes sense, man. Um, so I'm assuming when you're sitting by the pool and all that, you got a laptop <laughs> or a phone by you and you're networking and reaching out and just trying to like spread the word on, on the fund, huh? I couldn't tell you, I couldn't put into words the amount of hours that I've already put into this. And we're kind of this, we're kind of just starting to scratch the surface. I know like, so we raised $32,000 so far. Um, Pretty sick. Yeah, it's, it it is really cool, but it's almost like we haven't, the real world doesn't know about it at all. We haven't, this hasn't left the, sorry, this have not left the music industry yet. There's been no real media about it at all. There's been websites like AP and Metal Sucks and you name it, things of that nature, like a billboard hit up on it, uh, Guitar World hit up on it, but like smaller, it's not real world stuff. That's still music industry stuff. Mm-hmm. Nothing outside of that has has taken on the story at all. There's still just us looking out for us. There's no they looking out for us yet. So that's my next step. But it, to put it into easier terms, I... <laughs> If you saw the amount of emails and phone calls that I've made over the past six weeks about this thing, you would just laugh and be like, where is it? How? <laughs> like it doesn't so, say how it 
Ow. So you finally have some sympathy for those dads that get yelled at on vacation for constantly being working and on their phone and on their laptop. You're like, listen, dude, I get it. So sometimes there's just stuff you got to do. I mean, I always, I always kind of got that because it's, I, 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 I'm kind of a workaholic. Um, I tour, give or take, nine to 11 months out of every single year. Um, it's just what I do. I don't, I don't know any better. Um, wow. I don't have a family. I don't have a, a, a girlfriend or a wife at the moment. It's just one of those things where this is all I know how to do. So when I, when I noticed that the fundraiser like did pretty well right off the bat, I was like, Oh, okay. If I literally put all of my effort in, like I was working in my regular routine, but put it, my, put the effort into this, it should realistically be just as successful or at least spread wider than I would if I just posted it a couple of times, like every month, you know what I mean? So it's like, I, I For sure. I'm taking what I know in my work ethic as a touring person in general in growing my career and bringing it into this, which is a completely new thing. It's a fundraiser. It's a nonprofit situation and just trying to make it grow and using my, everything that I know from that into this. Yeah, no, dude, I, I totally feel that, man. I think that's the one thing about sort of growing up a punk rocker. Like for, for years, I was in a, a post-hardcore band and we did the thing for a little while, you know, a couple like full US's and whatnot. And, and so you learn very quickly that that is a style, that that is a genre of music that is not going to help you out. The only thing you can really do is write good tunes and help yourself, you know, get out there, guerrilla promote, hand out flyers, like things that you thought, you know, and, and most like more mainstream artists stopped doing in the 90s. You still have to do that in a punk band, even in like, you yeah. know, 2020. So so with that being said, dude, I mean, you're no stranger to like punk rock and, and all things metal and, and hardcore. So why don't you just sort of like because you, you've been talking about your past touring and whatnot. And so why don't you paint the picture for us? Like when did you first get into music and sort of how have you gotten to be where you are today, you know, which this interview led us to you. Yeah. So I've, um, I'm 31 right now. I'm not old by any means. I feel old <laughs> every now and again. <laughs> my, especially because I can't get a haircut. Uh, my grades are shining through. And things Dude, that tell me about this haircut thing. And my dad <laughs> is my barber and I just can't get to him. So. <sighs> go see him. Well, no, I understand. I understand. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I'm 31. Um, I've been doing, I've been, I've been playing in bands since eighth grade, which was 2001. Uh, Whoa. Yeah. So I, but before that I was obsessed with music as early as I can remember in, if not second grade, then definitely third grade. Um, and I don't know the math on that. Somebody, uh, so that's five years before him, 2001, 97, 96, 96 would be the year. Uh, 96 or 97 is my guess of when I first, first, like got really into music and it started with new metal, like horns, not when biscuit, things of that nature. Hell yeah. Um, and that just, it just made me feel a certain way that, uh, nothing else did. I loved, I still do. I love baseball. I, uh, but I didn't feel that way about baseball. I enjoyed playing it, but I didn't have the undying. I can't think about anything else other than this feeling for baseball and music was the only thing for that or in that realm for me. So in eighth grade, I moved to a different town in Long Island and I met a bunch of kids literally the first day uh, that are still some of my absolute best friends today. Uh, and they just were like, Hey, you look like us. 
you're the, you're the new kid. You're wearing like I I probably walked in with a Slipknot shirt the first day, and That's um, hard. Like, yeah, um, good serious. I I had like long hair like down to down to my chin. And uh, it was parted because that's the that's the style in 2000. <laughs> 2000. If you if you were imparted, I don't want to be a part of your life. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> that's real. Uh, and then I was wearing huge, you know, huge baggy pants because that was the style back then. And, Did uh, it have the I'm chains sure. and buckles on them? Uh, I probably, knowing me, I probably had like the biggest dog chain and the longest chain you could possibly find. Yeah, it wasn't that. I was wearing UFOs for sure. There it is. The ones with like the long straps with all the little metal rivets in them. Yep. Yes, absolutely. Word. So anyway, they just came up. Yeah, I, I, knew my, <laughs> I knew my shit, believe me. Uh, <clears throat> but I, I came in. Nobody knew me. I was brand new to the school district. And my, those kids came up to me like, hey, you look like us. You don't know anybody come have lunch with us and then basically like sat down it was very awkward obviously because i don't know i'm I'm in eighth grade i don't know anybody it's a whole brand new experience that's when you really start like finding yourself as a as a human you know not as an adult of course but you're 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 a teenager or just about to be a teenager that's when that's when you're like wait i can have thoughts that are my own exactly yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah um and we sat down they were like my name's so-and-so, so-and-so. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. So do you like, like, what, what bands do you like? I like these bands. You ever sang in a band before? I was like, what? <laughs> I was like, no. And they were like, oh, well, we all play in a band. We need a singer. Our old singer just quit or whatever. Uh, you should join our band. So I went over there that Friday. Like, it started on a Monday. I would assume school. Who knows? Went over and uh, in my first band, I just started yelling. And I didn't know what the hell I was doing. And that's great. That's that's just about 20 years ago now, which is just crazy. And I, I've never looked Damn. back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you were in the world we knew for, for quite some time. And, and you know, like you said, uh, pre-pod, you, you guys did the thing for, for a little while, for, for quite some time. You had like a 15-year anniversary not too long ago, if, I, uh, if my information is correct. Yeah? Yeah. Um, the band I just referenced in the eighth grade scenario um, is not the world we knew, but... <laughs> um, yeah, I started the world we knew in 2004, so it was only a couple of years later after that story kind of happened. Um, Any of those early members in that band as well, or was that just a different group of kids? No, different different group of people. Okay. Um, yeah, it was people that I met through going to as many shows as I did when I was a kid. And what's funny is last night um, I was watching videos from that era of my life uh, because a friend of mine from that general era of time uh, found his old camcorder during this quarantine and he started uploading videos and stuff. Gotta love so that. One, there's one on my Instagram right now of me doing a front flip off the stage, but I found others. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah. You're going to have to say that. Front flip, like, <laughs> front flip like into people? Oh, lots. Yeah, you'll you'll see it if anybody. I'm not oh, plugging yeah. my Instagram right now. But <laughs> no, no, yeah, totally. Yeah. It's on screen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, like I found a bunch and I was like literally like, getting super emotional about it so <laughs> anyway it's from that time frame i started the band in 2004 and um we really we really did it for nine full years um we like really went full throttle for nine full years and i don't envy anybody trying to do it now because it's a lot harder to do now than it was then yeah well could, could you paint that picture in a, a little further because that that's a topic that comes up quite a bit on this show Oh, yes. absolutely. If there was a second subtitle of our show, it'd be like, what's the music industry like right now for people trying to get in it? 
it's it's can I curse on here? I've already done it. Dude, Hell yeah. Say whatever you want, man. It is a <laughs> fucking, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to be in a full-time band right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, under some miracle, of course, I would reconsider it, but it's a fucking nightmare. <laughs> From what I've noticed, it is an absolute nightmare now compared to what we did back in 2004, five and six and beyond. I, I started just to give you a, a general background. Yeah, take us I, back. Take us yeah, way back. Way I started. Back. I started working for the one of the leading promoters in Long Island when I was in like 2003. I was in a, my first metalcore band. The first band when I was in eighth grade was like kind of like a new metal. It was like a mixture of like trying to be. Who cares? It doesn't matter. Yeah, metalcore's grandpa. <laughs> yeah, I, call, I call new metal like metalcore's grandpa. You know. Yeah. Think of, yeah. 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 Think of what whatever band you want to be when you're literally 12 years old, and the only band you know are Limbiscuit, Corn, System of a Down, and like Limbiscuit. You know what I mean? But that was basically that oh, I the got dream. It right here, man. I'm on yeah. the same page. Exactly. <laughs> whatever, whatever you could muster up in your brain about what that was sounded like, that's yep. what that was in your brain. Yep. When I realized that I had no idea what I was doing and that I wasn't a good singer at all, like singer, because I was screaming and singing, but I didn't know how to do either. Um, <laughs> we thought we were, you know, everybody thought they were the hottest shit uh, in the band because we were young and like we were getting gigs, even though they weren't their gigs. Anyway, I, I quit or they or they kicked me out. Who knows? They're still my best friends. It doesn't matter now. <laughs> yeah. And um, I just found other kids in the scene that were like, yo, we're starting a band. Let's do it. Um, did that metalcore band and then from that first metalcore band that I was in it was called Everything There's No Way in Hell You Can Find It on the Internet however I would show those songs because they're kind of cool what was it called um, again? Everything True Collapses 2003 that I is think it was. such an 03 name I love it dude yeah. I was going to say that is that is a very early 2000s metalcore name that's yeah, amazing absolutely. Um, <laughs> the Remains did, of Tomorrow yeah <laughs> but, uh, he, I just met the leading promoter and we like became friends and he was like, Hey, I just need some guy to like run the door for me or whatever. And I, I would run the doors for him. I would help him like clean up venues after the shows. I would help him set things up when we got to the venues, like all that thing. I would help check in the, the bands and all that general stuff, just learning how to kind of run a show. And then once that band broke up or I quit or whatever the situation was, I started the world we knew when I was working the door for in a very small venue, have you guys done revolution in, in New York? Oh yeah. So love okay. it. think of revolution with no stage. Right. And uh, yeah, with no stage and that huge pillar that's in the middle of the of the, uh, with like the, with like that second little like bar thing that's there. That's, that's still there, but it's just in the middle of the floor. There's no stage. <laughs> I saw, Asler, I saw Asler dying, uh, All That Remains, and Himza there in 2004, maybe 2003, and it had maybe, maybe 100 people in the room. Uh, Damn. You're like a Long Island music historian. Yeah, so that was <laughs> I worked that show. The opener for that show were the dudes that I took uh, and to start the world we knew. They were a band called uh, Juliesque. And they were, that was their like final show. They were, they were done. I don't know why it doesn't matter, but I was just like, yo, we should start a band. And that was 2004. We played our first show with the world we knew. Um, 
December 6th, 2004. And I just kept on working for promoters or that same promoter and working for all these different shows and huge shows, small shows, everything. And just learned how to, to run the inner workings of bringing a show to the public. Yeah, Maybe I'm so, going off on a tangent. I don't even know what we're talking about. No, <laughs> no, no such no. thing so, as a tangent on this show. There, That is very true. And, and so it kind of seems like from a very early age, like anything you could do to get your hands in the music industry, you were going to do it. Whether it's, you know, cleaning floors to checking in bands to just being behind the scenes, like you were all about that then. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so now I'm back on track. <laughs> yes. So uh, once the world we knew is kind of playing. Like, oh, yeah, that's what it was. So I was working for the guy start of the world we knew if this goes back to my my early work ethic with you saying how like kind of in punk rock and hardcore there's no guarantee it's just you have to really work for it every uh oh that's where we're getting to how it's how different it is from now and then yep yep it all comes I full circle. literally i would literally just gonna say i would literally print out flyers because that's what we do for the promotional company that i worked for the promoter and i would stand Every single Friday at the exact same time, it was 6 to 9 p.m. at the mall, the most popular mall in Long Island, or one of. Um, and I would sell tickets and hand out flyers until the mall security would kick us out because they knew that we were, like, selling stuff. Obviously, we don't have, like, permits or I don't know how that works, but, uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but I would do that for hours every single Friday. And the way we promote that is on our Friendster and our MySpace. Whoa, Friendster, you're Ooh, really hitting a deep had. cut. <laughs> <laughs> like everybody had a MySpace, but not everyone had a Friendster. Had, do you, I don't know how old you guys are, and you can. I'll just I'll find out once I answer ask the question. Have you been on Lipstick Party? Nope. No, I have I not. Have not. <laughs> <laughs> what is that? Oh God! I'm gonna, we're gonna have to just call Austin and just see what he says about it. Same, same era, same era as Friendster. It's just. It's just another thing, another social whatever. It doesn't matter. <laughs> but that time frame, it was just it was easier to reach your audience, whatever the situation was. Uh, there was no restrictions. And I would post in a bulletin on MySpace and, and Friendster. I forget how that one worked because that's actually really, really long ago. But um, I would always just be like, this time, 6 p.m. to 9 p.m., you'll find me walking around the mall. You can't miss me. You want a ticket? You want a, want a flyer for this batch of shows that are coming up? I'm your guy. And I did this until 2006. And the world we knew at that time was an extremely popular local band. And I said to my guys, I was like, there's the only way we're going to make this into a thing is if we actually try to play away from home. Cause we're playing all the biggest shows in Long Island because I'm doing the, I'm doing the due diligence to not only promote us as a band, but also um, I work for one of the leading guys who does these shows that brings in 500, 600 kids you know, for when, uh, for when certain bands would come around, certain tour packages come around. Like the first time Suicide Silence came in 2004. Uh, I don't know if we played that, but I mean, I was working the door for it. Mm -hmm. We played, we played everything that came through. Uh, the first time Job for a Cowboy was around, and not, they're not. <laughs> oh God, not I haven't like, heard that name in so long. Yeah, they're not disgustingly popular now, but yeah. in 2003, 2004, 2005, and so on, they were the biggest band of that genre at the time. Yep. Not only that, we'll sell more merch because people know who we are and we're actually a pretty cool band for being just like a local band that hasn't toured yet. And it just blossomed from there. So the difference between then and now is number one, 
everybody just utilizes their social reach or lack thereof for whatever gain they think they're getting from it. But it's not enough. There's no real work to be done there if that's all you're relying on. Um, when I started, I would literally hit up hundreds of bands around the, around the country, not the world, but around the country being like, hey, these are all the promoters from Long Island. I'm going to give those to you so you can contact them if you want to come to Long Island and tour and play shows. Give me your contacts from your area. And that's how we, that's how we started touring. Yeah, that's very grassroots. Good, the man. good old days. Yeah, now I guess Before we have the, Facebook groups, but those are, there's just so uh, much competition in there. I was going to say, that's the grandfather to the DIY Facebook post group. Yeah, this is, I don't even know what that is, thankfully, because I don't want, I don't, I don't really want <laughs> what that is. What it um, is, is just an intense sort of, it's almost like the craziest eBay bid you've ever been in, where you're just trying to like win that prize and you don't care. Like the, the community aspect, I think, because of social media, and here, here's why I bring that up. Like you're just trying to outbid the other person. Whereas when I was growing up in like the chance theater scene up in Poughkeepsie, you know, uh, like 10, 10 years ago and whatnot, like I did the same thing. I used to work the door for uh, Killer Cool Entertainment. I, I you know, I, yeah. I handed out the flyers, I checked the bands in, the whole nine, and it really seemed like there was like a community. Like, cool, so you're going to open up for Memphis Mayfire this weekend but then like yo like listen man i know i work for you and and you want to give me all the opening shows but a we don't want to oversaturate and b there's a lot of other bands on our local scene we can make this yeah. thing b bigger if we share and it seems like the internet has kind of knocked that community that like brotherhood of like all being in punk rock together aside i mean that's just my opinion of it Every, and from what i've seen everything from that what i see now and this goes into real behind the scenes stuff like management labels agents, things like that. Everything is what can you do for me and not what can we do together? And it, it, it makes me not want to be a part of it, but those aspects of what I do are no longer in my life. I used to be a booking agent. Uh, it was, it was one of my biggest nightmares. I, I, I hated it, but it was a form of income. Now I'm fortunate enough to where I, I've done enough in my line of work and in my career to where I could survive off of running the clothing line that I run and also being a full-time touring person as a touring man, tour manager, merchandiser, whatever, like I said earlier. Um, so I took the crap that I didn't like of my music industry career and I threw it away so I could strive off of what I actually do enjoy and care about. Um, but yeah, you're right. It's it's very much a uh, what can you do for me, not what can we do together kind of vibe, which is what I did feel when I was younger. Which is kind of weird because like you'd think that with the internet, with everything being so accessible that like, like yeah, sometimes it feels like you're like, oh, well, there's already like 100 people doing what I want to be doing, so why should I do it? But at the same time, there's only 100 people doing it because everybody can do it and you have the means, so you'd think... That with every with all this extra room, so to speak, like that people would be like, yeah, here's how I got all these subscribers. You could get all these subscribers and we can all be having a good time together. It's a matter of who wants to really put in the work and who says they want it. That's mm -hmm. that's the major difference. True. It, anybody could have done what I did with the Nomad fundraiser. Anybody. I just happened to do it. I'm not going to say first because I'm sure I wasn't first, but I just happened to do it very quickly from when everything went down to 
executing it on a, like in a way where that's the only thing that I started to do for the remainder or for the duration of the time that I had up until this point, that's all I've done. So mm-hmm. you, you could have done it, but do you want to put in that work to do whatever it is you're trying to achieve? That's the whole thing. Some people are, some people aren't. Yeah. Now let me ask you this, man. For sure. You're clearly a vet and you know, you've, I'm sure when you were in the world, we knew like you were content and when things were going well, like, I, I mean, I would have to assume that this is at least what me and Andrew are working for. Like once that gets going, we're going to do everything in our power just to make that just keep going for like the rest of our lives almost, you know, like, like a career band. So, I mean, take me through the process of like, you know, nine years of success and then it kind of just like falls apart. And like, how do you like still want to grind and build something new after like, was it defeating? Was it difficult? You know, cause I, I would have to assume that was your baby, but here you are building this foundation, running your own clothing line, you know, out there tour managing, like how'd you overcome that? And like, what was that like? I'm still bitter about it. <laughs> okay. Um, Been there. Bitter, bitter for different reasons, I think, now than what it was. And I'll, ex- I'll explain. Um, so, like I said, in 2006, I was like, maybe we should start touring. I had to basically kick out my whole band because they didn't agree. And I was essentially the one that started the band and was like the face and typical young singer bullshit you know what i mean but i was the guy who was trying to i was the business guy i was getting all the shows i was the guy who worked for the promoter it was my baby just like you said it was it was me they knew that even though they were all writing music together but they had a different set of skills that they thought would bring their lives into a better position when they got older totally understandable we're still friends now those guys actually played at our 15 year anniversary so it's there's no hard feelings even at the time yeah very. but cool. i got a whole new i got a whole new band and they were from a band that disbanded as well, but they were on the track to just about to tour. They got, they were signed at a specific point in time. They were a band called The Rescue. Um, I'm pretty sure you can't find it on anything now, but it wasn't, it was good at the time. Um, but they joined the band and we right away were like, all right, we're going on tour. Like, let's, let's try this. Let's do it the way I did with the MySpace thing. And we went on our first tour and, um, Fast forward a bit, we did that kind of scenario for a few years, just kind of grinding it out, grinding it out. And um, in 2008, I think it was, oh no, 2007, we got picked up by a straight edge label called Seventh Dagger um, because we were the only, this is what the, the kind of like the pitch to us. They were like, you're the only straight edge metal band, not hardcore band, because we were more of a metal band uh, that I could find right now. And you're, that, that, I guess that didn't, didn't suck or whatever. And <laughs> okay, that's like, hey, lucky you. You're like, <clears throat> yeah, we were like, all right, cool. That, that rules. We'll take what we can get. Yeah. I was like, we're going to out like a sore thumb. But if it, that environment, because it's like a hardcore straight edge label, then I'm pretty sure we can work it anywhere. And I think, I think we were accepted because we were the busiest band on that label at the time. We didn't, we never stopped touring, which we tried to get on everything that made sense financially and even sometimes not financially, but we just tried to do everything in our power, just always be away and always have some new set of eyes and ears hearing or seeing what we were doing. And we did that for a long time. And then the biggest holy shit moment was I woke up for, we, we took some time off. I think we were writing a record or about to write a record, something along those lines, excuse me. And I woke up, I was, I was, I worked for journeys for one year um in between touring so my 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 guy was was 
cool enough to allow me to go on tour and come back and still work at Journeys. I get, I wake up one morning, uh, about to go like take a shower and I open up my email and Jamie Josta of hate read is in my email. And he's like, Hey, um, saw you just putting in the work, like what you're doing. I'd like to sign you to stillborn records, which is a label that no longer exists now, but, um, Josta in, in 2008 and Hatebreed, I mean, Hatebreed's big now, but back then it was like fucking gods in our scene. You know what I mean? (laughs) And I still look at them that way. And now they're good friends of mine. But, um, back then I was, I looked at the email and I was like, this is a fucking joke. I was like, this is not, this is not real. (laughs) I'm being catfished. Yeah. I was like, this is real. We talked, we signed to the label. He somewhat produced our record. He put out the record. He put us on tour with Hatebreed, Throwdown, Ghost Inside, Chimera, uh, Barrier Dead. Crazy. You name it. Like, we we did a lot. You hit the jackpot. Yeah, Winds of Plague, Despised Icon, For Today, everything of that time, it was like a big... It was a big Damn. Yeah, yeah. We did a lot. We did a lot of that stuff. Sounds um, busy. And... When that ended, we, we he, he got really busy with Hatebreed again, so we switched labels. Um, I'm kind of going deep into, the, into my the history now. Keep going, dude. <laughs> hey, I'll, man, I'll, we appreciate it. This is all good. I'm, yeah, I'll get there. Um, he was really busy with with Hatebreed again. I guess maybe they were putting out a new record or whatever at that time. So I was just like, I don't know, man. Should we do another record with him? Like, there, we had no problem. There was no issue. Nothing. He didn't. He did everything he said he was going to do. It, it was more along the lines of like. We need a label to really like go to bat for us because we're, we're full time. We have to make this bigger or whatever, you know what I mean? And um, we went to a different label called Blackheart Group and I, I we put out our third Blackheart Group. And um, from there, I saw the downfall because that label kind of crumbled. And I'm friends with, I'm friends with the label owner now. We never really talked about it, but the, it, it, there's no hard feelings. That label fell apart. Um, we did a bunch of touring from then, but it just didn't scale to what we needed it to scale to. And after nine years or coming up on nine years at that time, around the 2012 mark, we're still touring, we're still doing whatever. Attendances were mediocre. The CD was doing well and people were receiving the songs well and all that, but it was almost like, wow, do we have to look for a fourth label for a fourth record? And is that really worth it when I'm 25 or 24, whatever I was, and I can't, like, I can barely afford to pay my bills in Long Island as it is, even if I had a full-time fucking job. Um, what do I do as an, as an actual adult that needs to survive? So we kind of just were like, well, no, nobody owes us anything, but we tried harder than I saw a lot of bands trying at that time, and it just didn't work the way I hoped it worked. At the time, I thought we were good enough for it, and I thought the songs were good enough. I thought the CDs were good enough. I'm not saying they're bad or anything. I stand by everything that I've ever recorded and, and did, and, and I'm proud of those songs or whatever, but I'm not bitter about it now like I was back then for those same reasons. I thought we were the shit, and not like we were the best. I'm just, I just thought we had our shit together, and it was, it was good enough, and we, just, we, we, we should have gotten more than what we did I don't feel that way now. I feel that it was, everything was good enough and it was great. And we did, we worked our asses off, but now I look at it from a different perspective as somebody who's been working behind the scenes for a long time going, 
they were really hardworking, but being hardworking doesn't mean you're going to quote unquote make it. And I didn't realize that then. I just thought we we were owed something because we were so hardworking. Now I see the different story. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Well, I appreciate you giving. Yeah, when us Chris those when Chris said that you were a vet, I didn't know that it went that deep. <laughs> you you've been around. You've seen you've seen some shit. Yeah. I like I said, I was a booking agent. We had dozens of booking agents. We had a slew of managers. We were on three different labels. We did so. Okay, get this. Before this quarantine, um, I was on track to hit my 100th tour by the end of this year. Wow! Um, as you can see, awesome. as you can see in the background behind my head, uh, when if you're listening to this, of course you can't, but <clears throat> um, check the video. Trust me, he's not lying. Those are all tour passes in those um, oh uh, those God. frames right there. So I thought they were like Pokemon cards or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. It's, wow. it's one of those things where I'm bitter about it because I wish it could have gotten to a point that made more sense for me as an adult. But we did so much. We did more than most bands do now. Uh, and that was, we broke up <clears throat> seven, seven years ago now. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm just bitter about it just because, yeah, maybe, like, maybe I do think we, we deserved a little bit more, but not, I'm not bitter for the same reasons. It's just we did. I've done a lot. We've done a lot, and it, it's cool. I'm I'm cool with the fact that it didn't work out because now, going back, we just did our 15 year anniversary. Um, two nights sold them out. Uh, it was really really cool in Long Island. We did it at that small venue, uh, uh, Amityville Music Hall in Long Island in Amityville. AMH, we know of it. Yeah, two days. Um, everybody that I've ever loved was there for the most part. We had people travel from all over the country. Um, it was really, really, really cool. And I, I was hoping that I wouldn't get the itch after we did the shows. I was like, we could do this. Like, we could do this again. I didn't get the itch. I, I We had a we played uh, two hours and uh, did way too many songs with a bunch of different old members, new members. It was, it was It was great. And it was a good way for me in my mind to close it down where... I'm I'm glad that I didn't be I wasn't like yo we should we should really do this again uh, and that feeling not coming back let me understand that I was okay with how things ended. So you got your closure, which I don't think most people in your situation can say. Yeah, I mean <clears throat> we'll we'll probably end up doing some shows here and there just throughout the years, just because sure. it still does it still does work. Um, and when I say it does work, it's like there's people out there that do know who we are and you can put us on a bill with fans of that general era or have been around for a while and then their fans may not remember, like they may not be listening to us often or whatever, but they'll see our name and be like, holy shit, really? And come out. It's one of those situations. I'm okay with being, I'm okay with being that because it's fun for them. It's really fun for us. And it's not my career anymore. If it doesn't go well, or, or the show is mediocre. Or nobody knows who we are, and we don't we don't sell that much merch or whatever. It's not that big a deal to me because the people that are there that know who we are didn't see us for nearly a decade, and it's fun for them. It's fun for us, and I can afford to do it now. So yeah, now, exactly. Nothing to lose. Exactly. It's one of those things where if I wanted to go on a week long tour to like hot spots around the Northeast, I'll fucking rent a van and I'll do it because it's fun. But me 10 years ago would be like, Oh my God, like our van's probably going to break down. I have no money for this. Like now, <laughs> now it's strictly just a good time if we decide to do it. But those shows were, 
were a closing point in my life where I was just like, oh, I, I don't feel that way anymore, but it was still one of the best weekends I've ever had. I'm cool with that. Beautiful. And so then yeah. from there, I'm assuming you transition right into the the touring lifestyle of behind the scenes, being a tour manager, being a merchandise manager, right? Or do you take some time off? Or... <laughs> you want to know the real story about that? Sure. I mean, hey, man, it's, we got time. As long as you got time, we got time. We played our final show in Amityville at Revolution in March. I don't think maybe maybe it's right. March 13th, 2013. Something like that. Whoa. Um, last show, it was incredible. Uh, it was, it wasn't sold out, but because Long Island music scene at that time really dwindled compared to when we started. But we probably had around 400 people in that room, which is good. Um, all of our friends' bands played. It was, it was a great send off. Played the show, really emotional night, obviously, because it was the last show of our quote unquote career at that time. I, went to my buddy's house in Queens or somewhere in Manhattan, doesn't matter where he lived. And he drove me to the airport at the crack of dawn the next morning. And I flew to Montreal and started tour managing Bam Margera the next day. <laughs> Wild. That is wow. crazy. I mean, I don't okay. want to, I don't want to take too much time away from like getting to the real meat and potatoes of this thing, which is the foundation. So, but I mean, you know, Bam Margera's history. You is can't very mention well... Bam and then not talk about him. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's very well documented. So, like, what part of his life did you tune in at? And was it chaos or was it smooth sailing? It was chaos. <laughs> <laughs> I always like saying, um, I didn't make it. Of course, I made money in my touring career as a musician. Not a lot because, you know, you're splitting it between bandmates and you're not making a lot anyway because you're not a big band. But I always say that I didn't make a cent until the second I got off stage from that last show that the world we knew did. Cause the next day I started my, my actual career. You know what I mean? Never did a bus tour before got off stage after my band broke up, went to my first bus tour, literally the next morning within 12 hours, got off stage, walked into the first time I ever made a real paycheck in the music industry. It's one of those things where the doors opened and I like, yeeted myself into it <laughs> you know? sometimes you gotta yeah just just threw myself head first and i was like holy shit i can actually survive while doing something that isn't the same but i still love and touring right off the bat from when we broke up got a whole lot different for me from there but i i, I learned to love it more because it was it was pressure but it was different pressure it wasn't pressure on my shoulders anymore as an artist it was a pressure of just do your job correctly and make sure that the person you're working for is taken care of. Uh, and yeah, Bam Margera was the first, was the first tour I walked into after the world we knew broke up literally 12 hours after the show ended. Wow. All right. We, I don't want to get too much into it because like Chris said, we got to get to the actual important part of this episode, but just really quickly when cameras aren't on and looking at him, is he still as insane and crazy? Absolutely. <laughs> That's all I wanted to know. That's wow. insane. He's super rad. I came in at a time where he was, and he'll tell you himself, he was spiraling for sure. Mm -hmm. uh, Ryan, his best friend Ryan passed away, Ryan Dunn. And yeah. it, was, it, was a, it was a rough time. He, he just didn't really know what he wanted to do, I think. And um, him and Jess, Jess is the brother who plays in CKY. Uh, him and Jess started a, a band and they just 
my buddy was their booking agent and just asked me if I would tour manager because he trusted me and it was a big client at that time and he just needed somebody trusted on the job. Um, so I came in a really rough time for him, but I did it for two and a half years. He is a great dude. He's, he's a great guy. He's not a piece of shit. Of course he's crazy, but that's because you, you can do whatever you want. You know what I mean? When you're, when you're that level of success, you have that, those finances and, and people know who you are, no matter where you go in the world, you can get away with stuff like that. That's besides the point. He's a good dude. And it was a crazy point in our lives for sure. But yes, to answer your question, cameras on or off. He's the dude. He's not playing a part. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's, that's, that's cool to hear. And I appreciate you, you know, being, being open about that. I could see why, uh, maybe yeah. it's like a bit of uh, you know, a touchy subject, but thanks for like, you know, getting in there. Cause obviously, you know, I remember I was a big fan of that whole crew. I mean, you know, growing up as a little kid, I think that's one of the reasons why I wanted to play in punk rock, like watching like the wild boys and like the whole like jackass crew and the BAM show and <laughs> yeah. all that. I was, I was not allowed to and, watch any of that stuff when and, I was growing up. And so it, it hit me when, you know, Dunn passed away. I was like, Oh man, like I was little, but I was like, wow, that's like sad. Like that was like one of the first celebrity deaths, you know, that like, I was like, damn. Okay. To, t- to touch a little bit on those scenarios while I was with him. And this is just the start of my career working for bands. Like I said, I had Thanksgiving dinner with his entire family. Uh, all, all like Tremaine and and Cossack and and uh, Chris Pontius, all those dudes came to the Hollywood shows. Pontius was selling merch for us at one point. Like Wild. now, that's the perfect merch, dude. We went to, we went to Dunn's grave. Um, oh, we we stayed at the house more times than I can remember. Um, we skated in a skate park in the backyard. We you name it. I lived just like you said, I lived a dream working on my very first batch of touring. The second my band of nine years broke up right off the bat. And I did it for two and a half years, not consistently because they weren't touring like the whole year of both of those years. But, um, that was the start of it. And it was, it was incredible. So it just opened up my eyes to being like, wow, this is, there's still, this is still, an okay life, even though my dream essentially quote unquote got crushed in what I truly care about it is like, there's still an out there and I'm still enjoying what I'm doing. So, yeah. yeah. And I think there's something, you know, like sadly poetic about the fact that like, as you were sort of like, you know, bitter and upset about what you, you built your baby sort of like, you know, for lack of a better word, falling apart right, right in front of you. And then you go and you, you link up with bam at this point in his life. Yet there is still like, you said like financial stability for the first time. That must've been just a crazy whirlwind of emotion and thought and contrast when, at least with me thinking about it, I can only imagine what it was like for you. I think it's the first time I felt like I was an adult. Okay. Yeah. I think it was the first time I felt like, yeah, I was, I was core managing the tour and like I was the quote unquote boss or dad, you know what I mean? But I'm not the boss. He's, he's the boss, but it's just, it, I, I was, I was taking care of something that was bigger than me and my band. And I was making real money for the first time. So I think, I think I was 25. I, I could do that math. It doesn't really matter. But 2013 is the first time I felt like I was like, Oh, I feel like an adult for the first time. Yeah. No, I, I yeah, hear so you, man. I'm still waiting for that moment, so I'm looking forward <laughs> to it. 
Yeah, to answer your question, me and Andrew, we're both uh, we're both 26, so uh, we've had our fair share of, of up and downs in, in the industry, and um, we're still trying to find our footing. But like you know, we we have that passion and that fire, and this is very inspiring chat. Now we could pick your brain about this type of stuff all day, but you actually have like a super awesome cause going on right now. You're you're not just like I said earlier, sending a text and checking in on on your fellow crew members and, and tour managers and, and merchandise managers. You're trying to do something for them. So why don't you uh, just get right into it? Talk all about like you know anything you want to say about for the nomads. We want people to hear it, and we, we want to know like where you see this thing going, and sort of like what you are trying to accomplish with this whole foundation. So, leading from the BAM talk, I could definitely get there. Perfect. Um, once that ended, I was already working for other bands in between, and then starting to pick and choose my battles between what tours I do and what I don't do what kind of money I'm worth under trying to understand that whole thing and just trying to find myself in the behind the scenes version of my new career. You know, I worked for bands like bands and artists like, uh, yellow wolf, hate breed, the Browning, we, the Kings, JID earth gang. Uh, the list, the list goes on. It's, it's a long list. AJR. Um, wow. a diverse list. Yeah. Oh, we talked about it earlier. Disney on ice. I did Disney on ice. Oh, I've, damn. You, you <laughs> got me so distracted with BAM and all this other stuff. I forgot to bring it up. Yeah. Disney on ice. Uh, Amur is a, another one that I spent a long time with. I spent a lot of time with a lot of bands. What I'm getting at is um, over the years, you become friendly with a lot of different crew members and do different tours and da 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 after and I've been broken up. So the world when you broke up seven years ago, that means for seven years, I've been only doing this. Uh, I started that clothing line, but that's, I don't, I don't make a whole lot of friends from doing that. That's, that's more business. It's catclothing.net. If anybody wants to check it out, <laughs> Cool. But, um, I'll plug it into the description. Yeah. yeah. But, um, I did that. What I, where I really made my, my relationships was through touring with all those bands, meeting all those crews, doing all those tours. And I, like I said earlier, almost a hundred tours. I was going to break that at the end of this year, but everything happened. Everybody that I know over that time, like I said, very early on in this chat, isn't working anymore. So all the memories that I made for all with all those people for that many years, 14 years of touring, nobody is working right now. Nobody can pay their bills unless they have this weird side hustle that just happens to work for them. Um, so I took it upon myself. I, I, I've been, I'm thankful enough to where I have a good savings. I'm pretty frugal. Um, my, my parents have taught, well, half of my family has taught me pretty well. Um, and I'm okay at the moment, but I, I, I couldn't help but think if the 21 year old version of me just started to, or let's call it 17. Cause I, I dropped out of high school and left my house permanently at 17. Um, and start, I went on my first tour. The 17, 18 year old version of me who just started touring wouldn't be able to deal with what we're dealing with right now. So I thought, I'm okay. How could I help everybody else and maybe help myself in the long run? But how do I help everybody who may be in a worse position than I am, people I care for? And then in the grand scheme of things, people I don't even know that may be in a, in a tough position as well. How do I help them? So the Nomad fundraiser was what we did. It's my best friend, Tatiana, and I. Uh, who I trust with anything. I met her on one of one and all of the five years of Warped Tour that I did. 
Um, and we're basically just, we created a donation platform to where anything that you donate to our cause, we're going to split evenly between whoever hits us up in the touring crew member community, not band members, because bands have their fans already. In the touring crew community, uh, we're splitting evenly between them as long as they have proof of employment and proof of the tours that they lost, whether it's pay stubs or or through management teams. I've been around the block a few times. I know what managers are real and things of that nature. You know what it looks like. Yeah. Um, so it's it's a very DIY effort by crew people for crew people. There is Music Cares out there who does the same thing. And there's Live Nation too. And there's a, a trickle of a couple other different uh, communities and, and companies. But Live Nation Music Cares are the big dogs. They've been around forever. Clearly, they have backing from huge corporations. They're fine. They're doing good things, of course. Um, there's not That's not a big at them at all. I applied for Music Cares because I'm not working. I could use the help. Um, but we are the direct-to-consumer cons- style of crew-to-crew member help right now. And we started six weeks ago. And um, we announced yesterday that we're cutting off round one of donations at the end of this week. And I know this is, will air at a different time, but that means that round two is opening up May 2nd or May 3rd uh, for a new round of donations for different crew members. Because to date, we've had, I don't know, give or take 200 people hit us up. And we're taking in around 140 legit ones already. So we're doing those payouts at the end of this week. So we're paying out donations to over 140 different actual crew members from the two of us doing our due diligence of spreading the word of this around. And it's 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 been very eye-opening um, to see how a community can come together if they want to, to spread a lot of good. Now, how do you go about determining who gets what amount? Are you matching a percentage it's, of the salary? He, he said it's or? evenly distributed. Yeah, it's even. Oh, evenly no. distributed. Okay, gotcha. If, That's cool. If, I respect if that. I, if I, it's a, it's a double-edged sword. If evenly is quote-unquote fair, but there are people out in the world that will shit talk it because, well, I, I tore more than this person and mm-hmm. that's the other thing. Or he was only doing, he was only doing a three week tour. I was doing a five week tour. You're going to get that no matter what, if I say evenly, which is what we're doing. That's what we decided on. But I think it's worse if I go, well, you did a three week tour. I'm going to give you $50. Like it, uh-huh. it, it's one of those things. Yeah, exactly. Everybody works. We all do the same thing whether it's full-time or pseudo full-time, everybody does this same thing. We all tour. We all deserve a little bit of help when we're not really getting anything from our governments. We're all, for the most part, independent contractors. It's, it's a tough, what we do is tough and we're not really being looked after. So to be even with everybody, I feel is the, the, the more fair way to do it. And um, right now we're at 32, a little bit over $32,000 and this will last until the end of the week. And then we'll pay out the first batch of people that we accepted through applications. And then we're going to open up new applications for May 2nd and do those donations for all of May to new people and continue the process until it's a, it's a train with no fucking wheels. <laughs> so is this something that you are going to just from now on, this is in your routine. This is 
a part of the work you're going to be doing along with your clothing line and touring? Or is this sort of like a temporary solution just to help during these crazy times? Have you even thought that far ahead? I'm, <laughs> yeah, there's, I have so many ideas with it, some of which I can execute and some I need a lot of help to execute. And it's fi I'm finding it to be ch pretty challenging to do it as a two-person team. And, but we're, we're, we're growing. It's a matter of keeping people interested. And I'm finding that it is tough to keep specific, uh, I'm going to call them nomads, the crew members, to keep them engaged, even though we're trying to help. Because the more people get involved, the more it spreads, the more they can get help. You know what I mean? Um, it's hard keeping them the most engaged. So I'm trying to do to sort different avenues of getting other partners on board to continue to help spread the word and also just grow it to get eyes on it. So we're thinking of a lot of different ideas every single day that are, are growing. Some are really good. Some are pretty shot, whatever, but that's any new business or new Avenue that somebody's trying to accomplish. Um, I have a couple of ideas that could keep this going for, I'm not going to say the remainder of time, but, uh, I can, I can, I can make this work for a long time if it makes sense. Um, I think we can, we can easily keep the, the website open. Of course, you know, that's no big deal. Um, it's just a matter of keeping people engaged and how do we keep it growing and surviving after the pandemic is, is a, a dying thing. And when we can get back to work, where does it make sense from there? I'm not going to reveal those secrets yet or whatever, what we're trying to accomplish. But I think we can keep it going in specific ways uh, over a long period of time if people want to also be involved because this is, it's a team. It's a crew effort. Every tour has a crew that works together to accomplish something to bring a specific show to your city and to your state. That's what's going to help this be what it is next year if we wanted to go that far the year after that if we wanted to go that far yeah for so, sure and i mean i, I yeah. know you're up and up on the news and and so we don't i mean even when we can go out in public it's so right now they're saying you know still masks on and you know mm -hmm. uh, the shows are going to be smaller and so it's i mean right. I, that's why i asked because the fallout i mean most normal people can go back to their office right they can go back to their nine to five but for you guys like the, the music industry still might be on hold even as the rest of the world starts to pick up the pieces. So that's, that's yeah. sort of why I was curious about like, you know, and I, and it's cool that you like, I mean, obviously you are in the world, but it's cool that now there's something for something that people definitely don't think about at all. Like, you know, I, you, I'm sure you see it all too. Like all these people posting like, Oh, I was supposed to go see this person today, or I was supposed to go see this concert tomorrow. And when well, like, it's so sad, but like nobody, even at the show, if everyone's doing a good job, you don't even think about the crew members that are putting that show on. And most, and most of, at least most of those people that aren't touring now, like, yeah, it's sad that they're not touring and stuff, but then that also had to be like a, hey, by the way, my 200-plus crew of people who build my stage every day and put my show on and stuff, you guys also have to not be working. Because, like, I, my roommates are all music people, and one of my past roommates who just moved out, like, a month ago, he was telling me that he, he isn't even, like, a crew member, like you said. He just, te like, he gives cello lessons and plays, like, weddings and stuff like that. And even just that, he lost, like, $4,000 in, like, a week of work. And that's just, like, a wedding performer. So I can't even imagine how much all these guys have lost. So even just that little bit of help, I'm sure, 
is extremely uh appreciated so it's awesome that you guys are doing this and i'm really happy that we could have you on to talk about it. yeah thank you um it's my goal now is obviously we want to keep spreading the word of it but um it's 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 going to be tough to keep keep uh to keep people on board um of course we're going to help as many people as possible but it's just one of those things where um we have to think of different ways to keep it afloat and that's all we're at uh, and i'm looking forward to the challenge that's what it is Hell yeah, man. I, I think that's a beautiful thing to hear. Um, and I, I have to commend move, you. I have to move you real quick. <laughs> no, that's fine. Um, that's okay. Hey, and I think that if if we were going to pick anybody to be at the helm of this whole thing, I'm glad it's you because you, A, know way more about all of this touring stuff than I do, and B, it seems like you're willing to put in that work that, like we said before, there are just a lot of people who want things but aren't willing to work for them. I, I appreciate that. Thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, man. So um, before we before we let you go here, is there anything else you, you want to let us know about the foundation that you think is important to get out there to the people? Yeah. So we're, we're doing a lot, um, as I've referenced, obviously. Um, when we when we do those payouts, I want you to think oh, we're going to we're going to put the names as long as the, those, those people are cool with it. We're going to put the names of everybody that we donated to on the meet the nomads section of our of our website and um it's going to really put put into perspective uh put into perspective how many people we're affecting yes we're not trying to change the world and pay their bills for the next six months it's not that's not attainable unless we get a real big partner on board but what we're trying to do is just chip away a little bit and allow them to maybe get some groceries or pay the phone bill or whatever at least just once or twice while this whole thing is going on I think it's just going to, when you see that list of people, you're going to, it's going to put everything into perspective that if, if everybody spreads the word about something good, whatever it is, it doesn't have to be for the nomads.org or whatever you're, you're able to use your platform in whatever sense for something that helps grow something else. Does that make sense? For sure. It's a lot of the internet is kind of a lot of bullshit and laughter and, and, whatever. Um, and I, I, I didn't truly understand my, my reach until I did this. You can always use your platform for good. So when you see those names that we're going to post up, uh, after we, we do the donations for the first round, I think it's just going to just think about all the bands that those people work for and think of all the shows that nobody is attending right now and nobody is working for working towards in their career uh it's just going to show how in a group effort scenario if you really want to put in the work as a team you can make something grow for the better and i think that's i think a lot of that is lacking right now uh especially during a a crazy pandemic yeah dude i think that's just an amazing sentiment to to carry a lot of it's all negative i mean we all watch the news uh so we all we all at least have seen sound bites of the craziness and people's reactions and, and whatnot so i just think that's a really on top of it being attributed to your cause i think that that's just a good sentiment to carry throughout the entirety of this uh this whole pandemic that we're going through together and i think that's what your foundation really does best is is just shows that like you know now it's time to think about other people like you might be able to work from home at your office job but with that being said, like we're all going through this pandemic together. So if you can help help, you know? Yeah. It doesn't like donations matter. Of course. Like that's what the whole platform is based off of. But 
I keep on stressing to the partners that I'm trying to get on and like the media that I haven't reached yet, but I've been trying to reach for weeks. It's, I, I don't want your money. Like that's not what I'm asking for. I'm asking for your outreach. Because mm-hmm. if you work together with me to just share it once, it all it takes two clicks of something for one person with one Instagram or one Twitter to just be like, look at this. You like concerts? This is something that's really good going on. Anything like that. And that doesn't have to go for just me and our and for the nomads. It's just it, it doesn't take much to do something good. And it doesn't cost money to do something good. You know what I mean? In this case, what I did does cost a little bit of money in a certain specific way, but in the grand scheme of things, it costs zero dollars to share something for the betterment of other people. Yeah. So then I'll, I'll say to our audience, you know, if you can, if you can swing a few bucks or, or even a lot of bucks, that's great. But if not, give this, give this a retweet, go to his yeah. foundation, share exactly. the page. You don't put it in your, your story, change you doesn't know? have to be forever. Change is still change. Yeah. yeah it, it's just one of those things where <laughs> I've, I've been saying it a lot. You never know who's watching. And I've learned that a couple of so times. So true. I've, I've learned that a couple of times already with the fundraiser. And you can see, you can just see what it's already done. And we're not done. We're not stopping. It's, it's one of those things where we're just, we're just scratching the surface. You never know who's watching. And you never know what email or what phone call will eventually work. Yeah, that's that's awesome, man. Um, and I, we all we wish you the best of luck with the cause. Um, and um, we're excited to yes. see how many people you can you can help by the time this thing's over. And obviously, we're we're going to be sharing it and posting about it a bunch. So hopefully, we can you know help, and hopefully, our audience will jump on that. Um, and with that being said, before we we wrap into like the closing statements here, we do have a set question we like to ask every guest of the show. It's a it's a fun question. It's a fun I'm, one. I'm, I'm ready. So. Who did you vote for in this last presidential election? <laughs> um, oh, wait, sorry. That's not the question. Sorry. <laughs> so, I mean, we, we find that there's something very powerful about like a word and then the first word that comes to mind to further elaborate on that. And so what I mean by this is like if you had to think of yourself as an artist, as a creator, as I would say an activist in this situation, someone who's actively trying to help and create a change. Like what, what's that word that comes to mind? Just thinking about your whole entire career. This is sort of the summarization of every interview, every episode with a guest. And of course you can elaborate on that word afterwards, sort of further paint in the picture. But what's the first thing that comes to mind? Oh, that's a tough one. Take your time. Yeah, take your time. We can edit out the silence. (laughs) Yeah, maybe I have to. (laughs) That's a tough one. Uh, There's, I'll never, you know, it's funny. I'll never forget it. You could probably edit this out, but (laughs) um, there's a word that's, that's, that I'll never forget the moment, but the word is, is for, is forgetful right now. I was sitting in the dressing room during the last show of a tour on my first run in Australia with yellow wolf and he called me something that I never been called before. And it's not, it's not persistent. It's a word of that general understanding. Okay. Uh, and I can't well, remember it on my head, but I'll, I'll, I'll leave it at a way. The word is basically a cinnamon a synonym for I'm, I'm a hard worker and Maybe that's not what I want to use in this scenario, but you got to put me on the spot, obviously. No, no, totally, and that's that's sort of like the whole the whole thing of this. Uh, so when, I, when I'm when I'm dead and gone, tenacious? tenacious? No. <laughs> indefatigable. Indefatigable. 
Well, I don't even know how to yeah, say no, that's, this that's word. One for sure. <laughs> that's <laughs> that's got to be it. Yeah. No. Um. I. I. Unfor- I unfortunately, I, I don't remember it. Uh, well, let's just off, go with persistent then. Um, it's one of those things. When I'm when I'm when I'm dead and gone, um, I just want to be remembered as somebody who put the metal put like put the pedal to the metal. You know what I mean? In ever in anything that I cared about. So I'm very persistent with with a lot of the things that I do, if I think it's worth my time uh, and my effort to grow in my career. And that does put me in a position of also being kind of um, selfish in a way, but it's only because I don't know what tomorrow brings. And this pandemic is a big point of that. Um, if I, if I, <laughs> If I didn't work hard all those years and being persistent with my career, I don't know what I would be in a situation like this where I'm pretty sure I'm not going to be working for the next six months or so. And who knows, maybe beyond that. So the word is persistent, even though it's not what I was thinking it was going to be. But I guess that kind of works. No, that's fine. I'd say, think... I'd say the uh, the elaboration is almost more important than the word itself. Yeah, I don't even think we have to edit anything. I think that that was yeah, cause almost probably some, better somebody's than what word... said. Somebody's word was Tex-Mex, so there's really no line of standard or anything that we're looking for. So. Exactly. No, dude, you nailed it, and this was a great interview. We appreciate you taking time out of your clearly very busy schedule to uh, to chat with us, and we hope we can help first and foremost, you know, spread the word. And uh, so so with that being said, where can the people find you? Where they where can they keep up to date with all that you do and the foundation? And, like, what's, like, your final message you have for everyone here before we let you go? So, um, yeah, if you want to support anything that I do, and excuse me, an easy way to find me on Instagram. It's Frank T W W K. My Twitter is F G F A N E L L I, which is F G Finelli. And, um, I run cat clothing, which is catclothing.net. That's my clothing company that obviously helps directly me if you want to help me out. Um, but, Obviously, a big, big important part of this is For the Nomads, which is what we've been talking about a lot recently. Uh, For the Nomads is forthenomads.org. That's the organization and the fundraiser that we're doing. Uh, I didn't mention before, if you if you donate $20 or more, you get this crazy Merch Daddy t-shirt that we made. Uh, you'll see it on the site. It, you, can't, you can't not think it's funny in the situation that we're in right now. And it's kind of a perk to uh, get you on board if you're not too sure whether or not you want to donate. So that's that for the nomads.org. Um, we, ju- I literally started an Instagram for, for the nomads today, a month in, I just didn't want to do it, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, we have so much content and so many partners on board to where it's, I don't want to be keep flooding my personal page with all that. Cause I think people are just going to hate me after a while. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I know the feeling it took me a while to, to really make the Instagram, but by the time this airs, I'm hoping I'll have it really up and running and crazy. So that's, at for the nomads on Instagram and the website. I'm not going to make another social media for it. I just don't care. <laughs> <laughs> hey, at least you're hey, honest. It's, it's nice and easy. It's all in one place on Instagram and it's right there yeah. on the screen. So go follow it, guess. Yeah. So um, anything you guys can do to spread the word, I keep on saying I said it before, it costs zero dollars to spread something around to people that you know who also enjoy going to concerts or whatever. If it's not us, do it for somebody else everybody's in a tough spot right now so just working as a team in any fashion is better than just being 
home alone, playing video games, being upset with the situation that we're in. You can do those things because that's when, if that's what's going to make you happy, that's totally fine. That's not a dig at anybody who's doing nothing. It's just in the grand scheme of things, if you're able to help or do something, you never know who's watching. Use your platform. Couldn't agree more, man. It's true. Um, and real quick, one last thing before we go. I see you're wearing a ghost shirt. Do you have a favorite ghost song? Sarice, for sure. That opening, really pick. that opening riff is... <laughs> it, uh, it does get you. I would have to say mine is He Is. Yeah, I'm going to go good. with Rats, yeah. but I, I love both of those choices as well. <laughs> rats. Rats. Okay. Um, that's a very Chris pick. I don't know how well you know Chris, but it's that's a pretty Chris pick. But yeah, um, Frank, man, thank you so much for, for chatting with us, dude. And when you guys are hearing this, thank listeners you. will be at the very start of Phase 2. So, you know, we have some work to do, it seems. So let's all go check so, it out. So spread the word. Spread the word because I know that you Round two. you people listening, if you're not if you're not one yourself, I know you know someone who's on tour or wants to be on tour or has toured. So sh- at least share it. Come on. If they have if they have proof of of their their canceled tours and their employment with whoever, um, we're willing to hear you out and hopefully help you in the long in the long in the long game. You know, uh, we, we want to help. We want to help as many people as possible in the touring community as crew members. So. Uh, if that's you or that fits somebody's description that you know, send them our way and share it. That's all I ask. Awesome. Now, Frank, one last thing we have to ask of you, man. Is there a song you want to leave the people with here today? And for for any artist? Uh, for you. We want to we want to paint the picture of who you are here. Okay. So maybe like a word I mean, you get, classic, you, a favorite from back you in get the day. a you get a snippet you get a snippet of a song at the beginning and a full song at the end. Okay, so this is the big one. Oh man. <laughs> I'll, uh, so yeah, I'll do, Let, let's, yeah, this makes sense. Um, if you're doing a snippet at the beginning, maybe start with a, a song that I released or we released, the World We Knew released in 2007 called Homewrecker. It's about um, how my mother was having a very rough battle with addiction and how I was too young to understand truly how to help the situation. But in the grand scheme of things, that's what got us signed. And that's what got me in the career that I'm in now. And she got out of her problems. So that's a good way to start my life, quote unquote. Beautiful. And then, um, whoa, glad to hear that too. A lot, I know. (laughs) (laughs) And um, we can end it with uh, a song that we re recorded from an early part of our career, also, but it still stands true today. Uh, It's a song called Passion. Uh, It's about me being straight edge, but. If you read in between the lines, it has nothing to do with being straight edge in the grand scheme of things. If you're just reading it, it's it's basically just about having a passion for something that drives you to be the person that you are. So you can leave the, the viewers and listeners off with passion. Awesome. I think passion would be a great secondary word to describe you as a person as well. So I think it's fitting to leave the people with that, Frank. Yeah. Thanks again for coming on, dude. I appreciate you guys having me, man. Thank you so much. No problem, man. And guys, please share, like, whatever you need to do to help get the word out about this foundation. I mean, hopefully you donate, but, you know, maybe this next song will uh, sort of get you inside the mind of Frank and, and, you know, paint the picture of, of why he's doing this right now. So I think such a fitting title for the song, This is Passion by the World We Knew here on Talking with Andrew and Chris. Stay safe out there, everyone.